Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for this chance to come and hear your word together. We pray that you would open it up to us afresh and give us fresh insight into who you are and what that means for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, the most famous rock band in the world, U2, took the stage at Heinz Field and played to some 60,000 fans. During that concert, Bono, the lead singer, told many stories. He told the story of Gabby Gifford, an Arizona congresswoman that in January, while visiting with constituents, was shot. Other people died that day. She has been in all kinds of therapy since then, physical, occupational, speech, you name it. And Bono said, we'd like to dedicate this next song to Gabby Giffords. The music started slowly. And as that happened, on screen were images of the earth from outer space. And Bono began musing, I wonder what someone 200 miles away from here, up in space looking down at us, I wonder what a man with that perspective, what words he might have for us. And in that moment, from the International Space Station, came up on screen Commander Mark Kelly, Gabby Gifford's husband. As he was floating there, he said, hello, Pittsburgh. And Bono said, Commander Kelly, what words do you have for us from up there? And he began to put these cardboard cutout words and they would float away. And he put up the words, it's a beautiful day. The title of one of U2's smash hits. And then he said, tell my wife that I love her very much. She knows. And the band launched into it's a beautiful day, this raucous celebration of the goodness of life. And it was a beautiful moment. You had this man whose life had been blown to bits, saying, you know what? It's a beautiful day. And his wife was getting better, and he was telling his wife that he loved her. It was amazing. And Bono went on to tell other stories. He told stories of how a political prisoner in Burma had been released, and a song was dedicated to her, and how good things are happening in Africa with AIDS. And then he told another story. And as the group sang Sunday Bloody Sunday, a song about the unrest they lived through in Northern Ireland, he brought attention to the people of Syria that so many people aren't aware of, whose government is, is mowing them down even as we speak. And he was saying, nobody else in the world may see you, but here is the most famous rock star in the world saying, we see you. And tonight we sing for you. And dare I say that Bono was at points even leading other Christians in worship. And I was in awe. Thousands of men singing at the top of their lungs. And it was like, this is unbelievable. This is surreal. It's almost, almost like in that moment we were walking on water. I was thinking, I can't believe this is happening. And I wonder if that's what Peter was thinking as he walked on water to join Jesus. He must have thought, 
This is too good to be true. I can't believe this. But as we know, and as Peter knows, those moments don't last forever. Things can be going great, but triumph can quickly turn into defeat. We can be walking in the midst of the storms and waves of life when all of a sudden the floor falls out from underneath us. I have two questions for you this morning. Is there a storm raging in your life? And are you in the midst of that storm because you're going where Jesus wanted you to go? If the answer to those questions is yes, then Jesus has good news for you this morning. That good news comes in Matthew 14. And if you have a pew Bible, I encourage you to to open up to Matthew 14. We're going to look at verses 22 through 33. And we're going to look at three things in that passage. We're going to look at what Jesus does. We're going to look at what Jesus says. And then we're going to look at what Jesus does not do. Let's look first at what Jesus did. The first thing Jesus does is scared the bejeebers out of the disciples. The latest stop on Jesus' speaking tour has ended. He sends the disciples on ahead of him in a boat while he goes to pray by himself. So the disciples are making their way across the sea in the boat, and by the time evening comes, they're in the midst of this fierce storm. The waves are high, the wind is battering the boat, and then in the midst of that, all of a sudden, There's this mysterious figure that looks like a ghost coming to the boat. This ghost-like figure is walking on the water, and the disciples freak out. But as they panic, this ghost claims to be Jesus. This thing claiming to be Jesus is walking on the water. That's the first thing Jesus does. But did Jesus literally walk on the water? Or was it symbolic? Yes. Both. Jesus is literally walking on the water, walking up and down the waves, but his actions is hugely symbolic. And here's why. The disciples, as part of the ancient Near Eastern culture, knew that the sea, huge lakes, those were the places where all the chaos and evil of the world was thought to reside and live and come from. All the unpredictability, all the evil in the world had its home in the sea in these unpredictable large bodies of water. So that's why when Jesus calms the storm in Mark 4, the disciples exclaim, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus The I am comes walking on water, walking on all the stuff that seeks to wreck our lives. It's all under his feet. But Jesus did more than walk on water himself. He enabled Peter to do the same thing. That's the second thing Jesus did. Which task is more impressive? Jesus walking on the water? Or Jesus enabling One of us, enabling Peter to walk on the water. Again, when the empowered Peter walks across the stormy water, 
Is he walking on it literally or figuratively? Yes, both. So that's what Jesus did. He walked on top of the water literally and figuratively, and he enabled Peter to do the same. That's what he did. Let's now look at what he said. What did Jesus say to empower Peter to walk on top of those storm-tossed waves? And what does he say that empowers us to do the same? Here's how Frederick Dale Bruner translates Jesus' words in verse 27. Courage! Exclamation mark. I am! Exclamation mark. Don't be afraid! Exclamation mark. If you read verse 27 in your pew Bibles, you'll notice those are not the exact words as our passage translates it. Bruner isn't getting away from the Greek, but sometimes you need to close your eyes and imagine what the scene looks like and still be faithful to the text when you're reading passages like this. It's easy to think that when we read verse 27 that Jesus said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus was not using a soft voice. It wasn't a quiet meadow. It wasn't a quiet church. The wind is raging. He's cupping his hand, shouting at the disciples who do not know who he is. Courage, exclamation mark. I am, exclamation mark. Do not fear, exclamation mark. I want to spend a little bit of time looking at that middle declaration. I am. Most English translations add in words that are not present in the Greek when they translate this phrase. Our pew Bible does this. It says, it is I. Others say, I am he. And it makes sense why translations do this to make it you know, more acceptable. We don't go around saying, I am, as a greeting. But this is no ordinary greeting. When Jesus says, ego me," he's saying, I am. He's echoing his father's words from Exodus. When Moses was going to lead the people out of Egypt, he asked God, what if they want to know who this God is that's going to save them? What should I tell them your name is? And God said, tell them I am has sent you. I am is this thunderous name that God's people throughout the centuries have known. It is that mysterious, all-powerful, here from the beginning of time, and will be here forever, name. The one who split the waters of the Red Sea to part, and now this I am is walking to the disciples in the midst of the storm, once again the master of the sea, literally and figuratively. I am. A name that gives courage, a name that takes fear away, a name the disciples knew. Those three declarations, courage, I am, don't be afraid, are all part of what empowered Peter to walk on the water. Peter hears these words, and he thinks it's Jesus. So he says, Lord, if it's really you, Command me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says. In a bold prayer, 
Peter prays, Lord, if it's you, let me join you out there. And in answer to prayer, Jesus says, come out. Jesus' command empowers Peter's faith. Peter is walking towards Jesus. And it's amazing. He's walking on this liquid substance up and down the waves. And for a time, his He's fully in awe and he's fixed on Jesus. But then in verse 30, we're told that he starts to see what else is around him. He starts to notice the strong wind. And he had fear and began to sink. I wonder if Peter thought the storm would stop. I often think that. I often think that when I pray and that... When God gets involved, he'll stop the storm. But what if, instead of stopping the storms that buffet our lives, he enables us to walk through them and to walk in the midst of them? What if, instead of stopping the storms, he gives us words to live by that remind us of who he is? Whatever the case may have been, whatever Peter was thinking, he begins to notice That he's not just walking on water, but the wind and the waves are very real. And that's not a safe place to be. He begins to sink, and once again he prays, Lord, save me. And once again, immediately, Jesus answered his prayer. He reaches out his hand and caught him, saying, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I wonder which Peter you feel like this morning. The Peter that is full of faith, ready to conquer the world with Jesus. Or the Peter who sees the wind and has a little less faith. Whichever Peter you are this morning, there are two pieces of good news for you here. Both when Peter is full of faith and when he has little faith, Jesus answers his prayer both times. The scholar Rudolf Schnackenberg says, To the believing one, Jesus gives a share in his power. To the doubting and sinking one, he stretches out his helping hand. We have seen what Jesus did. He walked on water and enabled Peter to do the same. We have heard what Jesus said. Courage, I am, don't be afraid. And we have began to look at what Jesus did not do. As we observed before, he did not stop the storm. He did not stop the waves or the wind. What storm is raging in your life that you would like Jesus' help with? Jesus, the I am, walks on top of all our storms walks on top of all the chaos of the world that seeks to undo us, and he walks to us today. He is eager to hear your prayer. And his appearance may be distorted from the wind and the spray of the waves, but he calls to you with the same words. Courage. I am. Don't be afraid. He invites you to come and see if you wish that he is not undone by the storm, 
and you will not be undone by it either. What you think is impossible for you to walk in the midst of this storm, he will empower you to do. Not by stopping it, but by empowering you with words of courage and faith, words of who he is. And he will show you that yes, he transfers his ability to rise above the storm to you. Not to leave you there, but to be with you there so you can flourish and survive in the midst of it. And when it is hard for you to hear those words and to not notice the storm, he will reach out and save you when you call. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that you are able to do these amazing things. Not just to walk on the water literally and figuratively yourself, but to enable Peter and to enable us to do that. I pray that the words that you told Peter and the other disciples would ring in our ears and in our hearts. And I pray that when we get overwhelmed, we would not hesitate to pray to you wherever we are. I pray that you would give us this experience of walking on top of the water, on top of the storms of our life, that this may bring glory to your name. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.